For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence, on infiltration instead of invasion, on subversion instead of elections, on intimidation instead of free choice, on guerrillas by night instead of armies by day. It is a system which has conscripted vast human and material resources into the building of a tightly knit, highly efficient machine that combines military, diplomatic, intelligence, economic, scientific, and political operations. Its preparations are concealed, not published. Its mistakes are buried, not headlined. Its dissenters are silenced, not praised. Gentlemen, welcome to a brand new edition of Over the Line. That is correct. 8-27-2020. After a couple-day hiatus, we're back. Glad to be back. As the world, once again, for the 52nd time in 2020, has devolved into chaos. You heard that right. Our dear friend Chaos is back in this country. That's all we know these days. We're going to get to a point where we only operate on Chaos. If there's not something crazy going on, we're not going to know how to act as a country. Always some kind of drama. It's like being in a bad relationship. Just always drama. And that's where we're at. It's 2020. But here we go, off the top. Really, I I wanted to spend this podcast talking about a, a very important point that I heard made about mail-in voting and why uh, Democrats are so adamant about about mail-in voting, universal mail-in voting, and it's it's a lot bigger than just a, a matter of uh, rigging the election in some way. Uh, there's 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 other points to be made that I wanted to do, but I'm not going to talk about that today. What I want to talk about is what's going on in Wisconsin. That is what all the hubbub is about as of today, over the past 24 hours at least. So to break down the story, you already know it, I'm sure, but it, just to give you a, a, a brief, uh, long and short of what happened, you've got protest over a guy that was shot by police by the name of Jacob Blake. Shot in the back by police seven times. 
there in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Then immediately after that night, because most of the time they only riot at night, which uh, I, I guess is something they do to, um, you know, hide their identity or whatever. Or whatever reason, it's not because they're, they're at their job during the day and they can't. It's just there's other reasons they do that. Almost immediately, riots started happening. Violent riots, not peaceful protests. No, no, no. Violent acts of, vi- of violence. Riots. And so, once that started, local officials said, all right, we, we can't let this get out of hand as we've seen in other cities. We've got to reach out to the governor, get the governor to call in the National Guard, and let's put in a curfew, put a stop to this. Because it's, it's quick. You know, there, There's people that say, oh, you can't bring in the National Guard. They'll just make things worse. No, it won't. You bring in military-trained professionals to put a stop to a riot, it'll be done in a matter of hours. It'll be over. These guys are trained on how to handle people that are a lot more tough than the sissy Antifa folks that are out burning down cities. Okay? It'll be handled in no time. That request gets to the governor, and then the governor decides he just wants to sit on it and does not want to uh, allow the U.S. government to come in and put a stop to this stuff. And so, here we are. We get to a situation where there is a 17-year-old kid from Illinois who earlier in the day was there in Kenosha, Wisconsin, helping in volunteer efforts to clean up some of the destruction that has been perpetuated upon that city. There's, there's photos out there of him cleaning up uh, graffiti on buildings and stuff. You can go online and see those. I, I may even post some later. Uh, and that night, he decides to come out, and whether he was standing guard for a business or he was just... Uh, thought he was going to go out there and keep the peace or whatever, whatever his intentions are, because we're still not 100% sure at this point. He's out there with what's being described as a a long gun. You know, of course, the AR-15 is the culprit for everything. It's not an AR-15. I don't know what kind of gun it is. I haven't even looked that far into it. But he's out there. Well, he then gets attacked by these what some will say are peaceful protesters peacefully swinging their skateboard at his head knocking him to the ground after after keep in mind after he tried to run away from the group okay he's got a gun if a if a mob is charging him he really don't even have to run once you get up plat 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 you start shooting but he didn't do that. He didn't want to shoot. It was apparent. If you watched his actions leading up to this, it is apparent that he didn't want to exchange gunfire with this group. So he ran. He trips in the middle of the road. And that's when the mob starts jumping him. Hitting him in the head with a skateboard where it starts off. And then a second guy comes rolling up with a handgun. And that's when he starts blasting guy with the handgun if i'm not mistaken i gotta get my facts right i was trying to make sure i I had everybody um 
pinned down on who who was uh, who had what. I'll find that out in a minute as we go along. The guy with the handgun is there when the shots start getting fired, and then everybody just disperses. So it seems like we had some issues on the live video. If you're watching the live video, um, we couldn't uh we had no fine youtube's been messing with us a lot lately and it's almost like they flip the settings to what we don't need them as every time we go live so if we forget to switch those settings before we go live we get on and we don't have any audio and then it's halfway through the show before we realize nobody can hear anything we said uh and then it just uh turns out to be a bad situation so if you're watching live you should be good now you should have audio welcome to over the line your um, August 27th, 2020 edition. So, let me just kind of recap. Kenosha, Wisconsin, you've got uh, the, the, the protest going on. A kid who was there earlier in the day cleaning up graffiti that had been perpetrated on the city from these quote-unquote peaceful protesters. He decides for whatever reason, whatever his motive was, he was going to be out there with a firearm uh last night this was last night i believe and whether he was protecting property or trying to keep the peace whatever we don't have all the facts on that yet but we do have the facts of what happened in the video and again you see the kid running from the mob that's trying to chase him down now first of all the kid is showing extreme restraint by running when he's got the gun and he could disperse that crowd at any moment. He is running from this crowd because he does not want to exchange gunfire. He then trips and falls in the middle of the street and that's when the mob starts to attack him. A guy with a skateboard comes up, beams him in the head as he's on the ground and then another guy comes up with a, skate, uh, a handgun and that's when this kid starts blasting. One person killed. I think we just had one person killed. Two others uh, wounded. And that's all she wrote. Now, the kid's been arrested. And, of course, even this act. Now, the, keep in mind, this was white people shooting white people. And somehow we've turned this into a race thing. Just this situation. I understand the original reason for the protest is a race situation. But th this should not be. It's, it's whitey shooting whitey, okay? But, but we say, oh, he was able, because he went over, checked on the guy. The one guy that, that did get killed that I, I know of got hit in the head. He goes over and checks on him. He's on the phone. The shooter is on the phone, probably talking to 911, saying, we need to get some help out here now, and then walks back into the street. His police are coming. He's got his hands up in the air. His gun's hanging from the shoulder strap. And he's telling them, hey, over there, get that guy. He, he needs help. He's been, uh, he's been shot in the head. And, and it's, it's a race thing because they didn't immediately pull their guns out and shoot the 17-year-old that had the long gun. You can imagine the confusion in that situation, but that's what happened. So that, that's another aspect of it. But the media is running with this narrative and they've got a problem all their own with these protests. But th this particular situation that this kid is a cold-blooded murderer 
and had no right to to fire shots at these people that were going to kill him right there in the middle of the street. To say this kid should have just taken his beating and not shot his gun in self-defense, that's what they're going with. Now, there's a lot of issues here. Obviously, you got a 17-year-old with a gun. And I don't know the local laws there in Wisconsin as to what this, this is. What I understand, federal law states, you got to be 18 to purchase a firearm. Um, so those are different situations, but they're not necessarily charging him. I haven't seen the charges of him illegally possessing the gun, but I have seen charges of murder for the one guy that got killed. So as we're looking into this and trying to get all the facts, we find out that he was attacked. He was attacked with it by another guy with a, with a firearm as well and trying to end this act of violence upon himself with self-defense. But then we start finding out about the people involved. Now, there's the graphic photo of the guy that's literally had his bicep blown off by one of the shots, and he's screaming in pain. He's going to be all right, apparently. But out of the three people that were shot, two of them were felons. One of those felons was the guy with the handgun who... He didn't, he wasn't supposed to have a handgun, which if gun control worked, he wouldn't have, but that's neither here nor there. And then the other guy that was shot in the head and lost his life at this protest. We started finding out details about him. And much like Jacob Blake, who has really started, kicked off this whole thing in the first place, the guy that was shot in the head turns out to be a sex offender, registered sex offender, a pedophile, if you will. So within a matter of three days, or whatever the timeline is, the left has gone from uh, standing up and defending Jacob Blake, who we know has been charged with uh, the rape of what we understand from documents as a 15-year-old child, and now this guy, who is a registered sex offender because of two counts of sexual misconduct with a minor. It's amazing how this stuff just writes itself. Okay? And so, the bad blood between the, the, the right and the left, the Bidens, the Trumps, it all gets fired right back up over this situation. Over the racial injustice issue now this should be completely separate this is an issue that should be based on people's ability to defend themselves it turned out a lot differently a lot less tragically in the mcclowskis or however you say their name from st louis the couple where they had protesters outside their home and they just came outside with their guns didn't shoot anybody didn't have guns that actually operated in the first place, but they just wanted to get out there and flush them to make sure that, that people knew, hey, you, you're not allowed on our property. You're really not allowed in our gated community, but you're definitely not allowed to step on my property line. This should be looped into an issue all itself. But the moral of the story, whether the kid should have been in Wisconsin 
whether the kid should have had a firearm. The moral of the story is if you play stupid games, you win stupid prizes. These protesters, rioters, looters, whatever we're going to call them, they decided to play a stupid game. And that is physically attack a guy, and they don't know how old this guy is. He could be 17, he could be 12, he could have been 25. But they decided to attack this guy even though he had a gun. And God knows what they were going to do if they could subdue him. Judging by what we've seen from these people, they would have taken the gun right off his back. Possibly shot him dead. So he fired back. He likely, with what he did, he likely saved his own life. But he's being crucified as a villain who has killed a poor, innocent, peaceful protester that happens to be a child molester. That happens to be a sex offender. Whatever. So there's going to be a very interesting court case coming out of that situation, but that's that's what's on the table today. Again, facts have got to come out, just like in the Jacob Blake case. In the Jacob Blake case, we've got a guy, and we never... It always takes days after the incident for us to find out what actually happened because it's never, you never get the true story when it first hits the airways, when it first hits the news. When you first heard about Jacob Blake, what did you hear? Innocent black guy, and and I'm I'm not even exaggerating about this because this is what I saw. Innocent black man getting in his car to safely drive him and his kids back home, shot in the back seven times by police. And then as the days went on, we found out that the call was that, that got the police over there was about Jacob Blake. We found out that the cops knew before they got there that they've had issues, uh, uh, violent crimes with firearms against Jacob Blake. They knew that he had been charged with rape. They knew this was a dangerous guy. And then when they get him out of the house or wherever he was before the video started, he had a knife in his hand. You can see it on video and you can see it in the police report that they found a knife where they ultimately shot him. They are walking with him, begging and pleading him to put the knife down. Don't get in the car. We don't know if you've got a gun in the car. Just get on the ground. Yelling at him the whole way. He finally gets to the car. Jumps in the car. And then they start to fire. They had already deployed tasers from what we understand. Which did no good. So they didn't have any other options left. There was a good chance... That those officers could have lost their lives that day. And they decided they weren't going to do that. Now Jacob Blake is still alive. Reports are saying that he's paralyzed from the waist down. Which is tragic. But Jacob Blake's not a good person. 
He's not a good person at all, especially if the charges against him are true. Rape of a minor. Okay? This is who we're defending. And this is why I find it so odd and disturbing. I just saw this on one of the ESPN reporters' headlines. Uh, who, who was it? Was it Adam Schefter? I'm going to tell you exactly who the player was. Adam Schefter. This is a photo of Janaris Jenkins, who is the cornerback, not quarterback, but cornerback, CB, for the New Orleans Saints. And on his helmet, he's got a long sticker across the forehead that says Jacob Blake. He posted it and said, if you don't stand for nothing, if you stand for nothing, then you'll fall for anything. Now, I wonder if he got that from the country song. Who was that? Aaron Tippin? <laughs> don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. Anyway. that uh, That is not something that surprises me coming out of the NFL or the NBA or even the WNBA as we saw those ladies refuse to play basketball. They refuse to play their games and to the game wore t-shirts with seven bullet holes in the back of the t-shirt. It does not surprise me that this virtue signaling social justice warrior stuff that never changes anything is happening. But it's just a surreal sight to see a major... NFL player put the name of someone who has raped a 15-year-old across the front of his helmet. It, it just strikes me as odd. Would I have rather Jacob Blake be taken into custody and faced a fair trial and then served his sentence? Yeah, I'd probably been all right with that. And thank goodness he didn't die. That's that's not what I want. I think if you do horrible things and you get killed, I think that's an easy way out. But it doesn't change who it is. Why aren't we talking? Why aren't we talking about the victims of Jacob Blake? Why? That's for the same reason. We're not, we never talked about the victims of George Floyd. Or the pregnant woman that had a gun stuck to her stomach from George Floyd while his, his homeboys ransacked the house or any of the other crimes that he committed. There's one agenda here. And every other fact, even no matter how relevant the fact is, is going to be scrubbed from the record. It's like the latest news on George Floyd. The examiners are saying, y'all, he died from an overdose. He had so much fentanyl in his system that his lungs had swelled up to two and a half times the weight that they should be. His organs caused him to suffocate because of all the drugs in his system. That's why on the video that it took so long for them to allow the public to see showed him at the police car saying he couldn't breathe when no one was touching him. He died from an overdose. That's tragic enough. 
And for the officer that put his knee on George Floyd's neck, more than likely that accelerated George Floyd's death. So whatever happens to him, happens to him. But it's much more than this cop. It's the after effect. It's the complicity, the culpability of the media that hypes this stuff up and and causes the chaos in our streets. The chaos only gets worse and worse because the media refuse to give all the facts to the general public. If they did, maybe, maybe the protest would be conducted a little differently. But they're not. They're hostile because the media tells people that black people are being murdered for no reason whatsoever in the streets by police at a rapid rate. So it freaks people out. And they feel like the only way to get their message across is to do the stuff we're seeing them do now. Donald Trump, when he calls the media the enemy of the people, back in the early days, the enemy of the people, I always thought it was a little harsh. I thought, eh, it's it's a funny jab. But enemy of the people, that's a that's a pretty strong statement to call somebody that. You're calling them a traitor. You're calling them guilty of treason. Which back in the day we would hang you for. You would you would be sentenced to death for being an enemy of the people, an enemy of the state. But the more I see what the media has caused in this country, the more sense it makes that they've earned that label, enemy of the people. They are the ones that perpetrate most of this stuff. And they know it. Just last night, or two nights ago, Don Lemon was on TV talking about how He'd seen some focus groups, some studies that show that the riots are actually not helping Joe Biden. And talking about how maybe we need to stop with the riots. We need to stop with the riots because they're hurting Joe Biden. This is the mindset. They assumed that chaos in the street and people being scared were going to cause people to want to change course to vote for something different, a.k.a. Joe Biden. But people aren't stupid. They realize it's not Trump's fault that the chaos is in the street. And then they see Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, Nancy Pelosi, and the rest refusing to condemn the violence while the media continues to prop it up. Let me just play this for you. This is Don Lemon with his uh his good uh <laughs> I don't want to call him his lover but his his bromance partner Chris Cuomo on CNN just um this may have been last night that this happened it probably was listen to this I do think that uh, this what you said was happening in Kenosha is a Rorschach test for the entire country and I think this is a blind spot for Democrats I think Democrats are ignoring this problem or hoping that it will go away and it's not going to go away. And so 
unless someone comes up with a solution over the next 73 days or 70 so, however many days. 68 days. 68 days. So it's not going to, the problem is not going to be fixed by then. But what they can do, and I think maybe Joe Biden may be afraid to do it. I'm not sure. Maybe he won't. Maybe he is. He's got to address it. He's got to come out and talk about it. He's got to do a speech like Barack Obama did about race. He's got to come out and tell people that he is going to deal with the issue of police reform in this country and that what's happening now is happening under Donald Trump's watch and on Donald Trump's watch. And when he is the president, Kamala Harris is the vice president, then they will take care of this problem. But guess what? The rioting has to stop. Chris, as you know and I know, it's showing up in the polling. Mm -hmm. It's showing up in focus groups. It is the only thing, it is the only thing right now that is sticking. And the Democrats tonight stuck with that, right? And they also stuck with the theme that you said, the coronavirus. You got coronavirus and you have Kenosha. So according to Don Lemon, the, the biggest threat facing this country is the fact that the riots are hurting Democrats. Not that the riots are hurting people or the riots are hurting communities across this country. It's all about the polling. Man, the fact that these guys commit, invest so much in the polling, it's, uh, it's sad. It's sad for them. Now, Chris Cuomo in the back, he's nodding his head and he's agreeing with everything. Um, it wasn't that long ago... That Chris Cuomo, who apparently thinks the riots are bad now, was promoting Antifa and saying that, you know, they're really not doing anything wrong at all. He says Antifa is a very good cause. I mean, those are his words about Antifa, I've watched them in the streets protesting in different situations, okay? There are certainly aspects of them that are true to a cause. That is a good cause. They want social justice. They want whatever they want in that context. You tell me when that has ever happened. You tell me when that has ever happened with neo-Nazis. Where they have ever been doing Chris, Antifa the is right not thing. a good cause. Antifa does not have good aims. Antifa wants power, wants political power taken uh, through force. That's what Antifa is Steve, all about. I mean, they are be, the inheritors of what Nazis I'm and brown I am shirts. not here to espouse Antifa or any group. That sure sounds like you are. On the political spectrum. sure sounds like it. No. <laughs> oh, he's copying me. Because you want it to be like that because you want it to be simple. No. And you want to be able to run away after something like this and say, Cuomo loves the alt-left. He yeah. loves them. And you know it's not true. You know it's BS. What I'm saying is this. You don't draw a moral equivalence between neo-Nazis and the people there to fight against them. You don't do it in that context because it's not what we are about in this country. Okay. Well, if you want to run the stats, Cuomo, Antifa has done much more damage in the past six months than neo-Nazis have. And here's the misconception that the media has caused about neo-Nazis, white supremacists, Klan members. These people lived under a rock, okay? They did. Until the media, the left, and the Democrats gave them the spotlight center stage. 
And they're like, oh, people are paying attention to us now. Maybe it's time for us to come back out from under our rock. And here we are. We didn't deal with this until the media started bringing it up. And now here we are. It's what they want. Rob, what, when you pair it with president a president who refuses to call out Steve King, a president who says that the problems with domestic... By the way, can we point out the fact Newsweek reported on this that Richard Spencer, he is the leader of whatever it was. I, I don't know what the group is. He's, he's apparently a big-time, self-proclaimed white supremacist. He has officially denounced, he, he supported Trump in 2016, he says he did. He has officially denounced Trump and says he is supporting Joe Biden because Joe Biden's, his, uh, <laughs> Joe Biden lines up more with uh, what he believes and what he wants America to, uh, to look like. So what does that tell you? Here's Cuomo yet again promoting Antifa. The exact opposite of what he claims to stand for with his uh, with his comments when he was listening to Don Lamont. Welcome back to primetime. Here's a closing argument. Two wrongs and what is right. It's been one year since Heather Heyer was killed for standing up to hate and our thoughts still go to her family. We know what happened with racial tensions nationwide after that. And this weekend was billed as round two. Unite the right. The sequel. Organizers planned a rally in Washington, D.C. this time, but the turnout of white supremacists was thankfully pathetic, which is why I didn't have to go there and cover it. Only a couple of dozen showed up. Proof they lost membership after being exposed again last year as a bunch of hateful losers? No. They're still in force online, but they didn't have the guts. Or maybe it's because there's not as many of them as you claim there are. ...to show up, and that's good. Counter-protesters did. There were good numbers of them. The vast majority were peaceful. But peppered in the crowd were members of Antifa, or anti-fascists. They covered their faces, confronted police, and berated journalists. And that was wrong. Now, you've been hearing it. There's a lot of whataboutism and spin going on, and it's kind of sickening to me. So let's all agree on some common understandings. A protester uses their voice. Song, slang, slurs, there's a huge range, but it is talk. When you use your hands in a violent way, you are a rioter. And unless you're justified in defending yourself and you hit someone, you're a thug, you're a criminal. You attack cops, you slap the media, you're in the wrong, period. But I argue to you tonight, all punches are not equal morally. In the eyes of the law, yes. But in the eyes of good and evil, here's the argument. If you're a punk who comes to start trouble in a mask and hurt people, you're not about any virtuous cause. You're just somebody who's going to be held to the standard of doing something wrong. But when someone comes to call out bigots and it gets hot, even physical, are they equally wrong as the bigot they are fighting? I argue no. Fighting against hate matters. Now, how you fight matters, too. There's no question about that. But drawing a moral equivalency between those espousing hate and those fighting it because they both resort to violence emboldens hate, legitimizes hateful belief, and elevates... Now, let me, let me translate that for you. Violence from Trump supporters, this is what Cuomo is saying without saying it, violence from Trump supporters, wrong. 
Violence from Antifa? Okay. Violence from Antifa is okay because Antifa has the moral high ground. Now, I bring that up to tie that back to what we saw in Kenosha, Wisconsin. They will hammer this kid and crucify this kid because he was on the wrong side of the argument. Now, if you take Chris Cuomo's words right there, the kid was in the right because he was defending himself. But Chris Cuomo, nor anyone on CNN, will ever admit that at this point because he was on the side of law and decency and he was a kid that was just looking from what we can see to keep the peace. His actions displayed that as he ran from the thugs that ultimately chased him down and started beating him. But the moral equivalence, the, the, the moral high ground goes to the guy with the skateboard, goes to the guy with the handgun, goes to the guy that is a sex offender pedo They got shot in the head. They've got the moral high ground, according to the left. And middle America's not going to fly with that. Tucker Carlson last night, I, he made those same comments, and I've watched... What should be... Shut up. I've watched all over the internet today Tucker Carlson's comments be completely and utterly taken out of context. He made the point that... Let me see if I can pull this up and play this for you as well. Tucker Carlson, Kenosha. He made the analogy that... What do you expect to happen when your government abandons you in the sense of providing you protection and safety? He says, we should not be surprised that a 17-year-old showed up with a long gun when the government is nowhere to be found when peace needs to be restored. And he's right. Doesn't mean a 17-year-old should be in the streets with a gun. But the point is, when the government no longer protects the people, the people start to protect themselves. And murder will always come out of that. It's much like the movie The Purge. Now, for people like myself and a lot of you, you've never expected the government to protect you. You don't trust the government to protect you. But they still have that obligation. And if they decide to ditch that obligation, well, guess what? We will. We dare defend ourselves. Once upon a time, there were Democrats saying, you don't need guns. You don't need an assault rifle. You don't need semi-automatic weapons. You've got police. And then just a few short years later, You don't need police. Police are evil. Take away the guns. Take away police. Then let the government protect you. But here we have the government making it very clear that they will not 
protect you. Tucker Carlson from last night. The 17-year-old who has now been charged tried to run from the mob. He tripped and fell in the middle of the street. A man ran up and smashed him in the head with a skateboard. The 17-year-old then fired his gun. So what does that amount to? We're unsure. A court will decide whether what you just saw qualifies as self-defense. As of tonight, we really don't have more details. We do know why it all happened, though. Kenosha has devolved into anarchy because the authorities in charge of the city abandoned it. People in charge from the governor of Wisconsin on down refused to enforce the law. They stood back and they watched Kenosha burn. So are we really surprised that looting and arson accelerated to murder? How shocked are we that 17-year-olds with rifles decided they had to maintain order when no one else would? Everyone could see what was happening in Kenosha. It was getting crazier by the hour. Watch this scene from last night. The thing goes on to show those same protesters saying, kill the police, kill them back. Also, death to America, these protesters are saying. And as he pointed out, no, this is not Tehran. This is not Iran. This is Wisconsin. Death to America, these protesters are saying. And the police, the local officials, you don't want to put it on police. Police do what they're allowed to do. They just throw their hands up and say, oh, well. Now, the comment he made, what do you expect other than somebody to show up and do something no one else would do? They took that and painted Tucker as someone who was saying, 100%, the team was justified, and somebody had to do it. Somebody had to go out there and murder protesters. And it is their latest attack on Tucker Carlson to strip him of his advertisers and silence him. Because that's what the left does. The left, for years, even decades, have made it a priority to silence the loudest conservative voices. You can look at Rush Limbaugh, Mark Levin, Sean Hannity, Bill O'Reilly, Tucker Carlson, Laura Ingram, any of them. They're always looking for the door to be cracked where they can come in, paint this person as somebody they're not, using something they didn't really say, and threaten all their advertisers. Once the advertisers are gone, the show is gone. But the reason they go after these voices is because these voices are so powerful. Conservative talk radio has always been a powerful tool for the right. Something that the left never had. They've got Hollywood. They've got the music industry. But they've never had talk radio. They don't even have TV news commentary like the primetime shows. And barely anybody watches that. They get slaughtered in the ratings. So their priority has been to silence these people. 
What they don't understand is there's always going to be someone else willing to step up and take that place. You're not going to silence the voice of conservatives. You're not going to do it. And if it comes down to it, if you do silence voices, those voices will roar on election day. Because that's where conservatives voice their voice the loudest. On election day, when they cast their ballots. So watch for the Tucker Carlson saga as the latest attack commences. And remember, as you argue with your friends and family on Facebook about what happened in Kenosha with this 17-year-old, make sure, one, they knew the guy that died is a good-for-nothing scumbag sex offender rapist. But two, just tell them, hey, I'm glad to know that you would have been okay with a mob of people beating you to your death in the middle of the street and done nothing about it. But for me, for me and the red, white, and blue blood that runs through my veins, I will defend myself. I will defend my family, and I will defend my freedom. Whether you're Antifa scum, or you're the federal government, you're not going to tread on me. That's it for this edition of Over the Line, August 27th, 2020. Back with another episode before you know it. Make sure you share over the line with your friends and family, whether that's on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any of it. Add over the line on Facebook, at Andrew McLean, who on Parlor and Twitter, and we will see you next time. Until then, see you cool.